When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What the hell was that? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me? Hello? Yeah, yeah. Are you there? We gotta get rid of this coop. I got an idea. Greatness is at its finest. Welcome to the Rodcast. Mm. <laughs> Wonder who that could be. With Rod Babers and Patrick Davis. Come on, why you want to play a brother like that? 1019 and 1260 AM. Is that a problem back there? HornFM.com and on the Horn app, The Horn, where Austin talks sports. Since I've been able to jam the opening intro to the Rodcast, and oh, it feels oh so good to do it again. Yes, the Rodcast is back with me. I'm Rod Bruce, and of course, my man Patrick Davis, hardest working man at ARN. He's the idealionaire. He's also got a hustler spirit, period. I don't know what he's paid, but I know for sure the man is underpaid because he got about four or five jobs here at ARN. Uh, also, ain't no 401k for a hustler, and he is a hustler, but he also is a man of many talents. He is also my neighbor and friend and co-host. It's Patrick Davis, y'all. What's going on, Patrick? Hey, man, I'm doing good. Looking forward to the new show. I promise I will have an intro for you on Monday. I was working, and then that is one of the things that got pushed back. <laughs> no, I didn't want. No, I didn't want to. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to be not good at it. You know what I mean? I didn't want to. Hey. I didn't want to do it without my full heart into it. So I had to wait and go. I'll do it over the weekend. I had some of yours from obviously yes. Ball Don't Lie back in the day, so I still had that. So honestly, I'm not gonna lie, kind of freestyle yours, but it's <laughs> it's easy because you are actually my neighbors. We, we are he's neighbors. The Aaron, yeah, he's the Aaron compound right now, but the dude lives a couple of blocks from me. All right, so he is a neighbor. He is a friend, uh, a former co-host with Ball Don't Lie when we did it with my man Harge, but now it's just me and Patrick Davis. So I'm excited about the uh, the new show. It's going to be a lot of fun, folks. So we appreciate you joining us. Uh, you can give us all of your thoughts, all of your suggestions, uh, all of your remarks on the text line, 512-447-3776. Uh, I am actually at... My uh, my home office, the home compound here. So uh, I kind of like like what's going on. I like I like to be able to do. It. I could do the show in in pajama pants if I wanted to. There might be a couple of shows I come out here just in a robe. I ain't gonna lie. It's gonna be straight up comfortable. It is. I mean, I why mean, not? We do have the stream up on YouTube and Twitch, and hopefully it's working hey. and everybody can see us and everybody can hear us. And yeah, I'm telling you. Yeah, I think I, 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 I'm, I'm gonna be too comfortable here. I'm already. I mean, the, the house is right there. I'm right there, basically in my backyard. Uh, so trust me, folks, at, at one point, I'm going to get way too comfortable. I'm going to be out here in pajama pants. I'm going to be out here in my robe. Uh, and I, you know what? I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's just one of the perks <laughs> of being able to do your job from the house. All right, everybody else who works from home, they get to do it in their pajama pants. Everybody else who works from home, they get to do it, you know. They don't get to dress, they don't have to dress up. That's one of the perks of it. Uh, so maybe one of the perks for me. But uh, we're just getting started. We got a lot to get into, of course. We got the NFL Combine. Started official workouts yesterday at the uh, drills at the Combine. And, yes, there were uh, several Longhorns, three Longhorns, actually, that participated. Uh, we'll get into uh, Byron Murphy's performance. He did showcase at the Combine to Andre Sweat and Jalen Ford. Today you're going to have – uh, the, uh, the, I believe you got the cornerbacks, actually. Cornerbacks today, DBs and tight ends. So you'll have JT Sanders today at one point. He will be uh, uh, working out at the Combine. We'll talk about that. Uh, we'll also get into some other top stories. Uh, I think that the, uh, the Sark did a, an interview on the new Keyshawn Johnson podcast. Uh, I'll get you the name of it, but we got some audio. I, is, the from, name of it, is the name of that, is it a Sark play? When you sent me the audio, I believe it is all facts, no breaks. You are right. That is it. So they they, they had the book Sark like immediately. 
because if you're going to call it all facts, no breaks, you have to book Sark. I will say this. Can, it, 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 Sark has kind of a – is he abandoned the – all gas, no brakes. It, oh, no, because it's not as prominent as it used to be. Oh, no, no. Now, now, what is the, the slogan for this season? Is it obsessed? Yes, it's obsessed. Yes. He's obsessed with winning a national title. Yeah. So I think the, the all gas, no brakes, because that was, that was the mantra and the motto for the first season. And I still think they kept it around for the second season, but it's now. I think started to to die out. You don't yeah. you don't hear about it as much. I, I don't yeah. think they wanted to put it around for the second season because they wanted a little bit better, you know, uh, Yo, image Mojo. of it. Yeah, they, yes. they were like, "All gas, no breaks" needs to have a winning record. You can't, <laughs> it can't walk away with a losing record. Yeah, it was all gas, no breaks, and by the end of the season, uh, the car was all broke down, uh, engine needed to be uh, overhauled, <laughs> and yeah, it just had all types of issues. Man, it was it was a clunker. All right, you just had to you had to just write that thing off, but. Uh, anyway, we'll get to some Texas uh, football discussion because Sark did go on that podcast. Uh, thank you, Patrick. Yes, that is the name of it. He did get go on that podcast, and he had several uh, different pieces of uh, audio. Several different. He had a lot of different great things to say, but there are several pieces of audio that we're going to play for you. Um, and also, he talked about the recruitment of Isaiah Bond, and I thought it was interesting some of the comments he made about uh, the recruitment of Isaiah Bond, uh, the wide receiver from Alabama who is now on the Texas roster. So we'll get into that coming up a little bit later on yes we'll talk cowboys we'll talk about who the cowboys are meeting with at the nfl combine their formal meetings we'll do that with the texans as well to get you caught up there we'll also talk about the biggest freaks at the nfl combine we'll go deep into history too. talk about some of the most impressive standout performances at the nfl combine so we got a lot to get into we also got uh, my man patrick's gonna give us the headlines coming up so we'll give you all the top headlines of the day uh we'll also have uh, uh patrick we got some of your old favorites, and yes. from uh, from 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 Patrick. Obviously, Patrick, you did a great job with Sports Complex, and I think you had a lot of fans. Hopefully, that will they'll get up early uh, to to listen to you yeah, here and, uh, on the podcast. And, and I get if you're not going to get up early, the podcast is going to be up too. See if That's you want to check it on the podcast. And I told everybody that if they, you know they're not morning people, they can still harass me online on all our socials, and I'll try and answer those in the afternoon. If I'm still awake, I'm still doing the show. We'll still do the show today too. We'll do. We do I'm doing double duty today. Oh, you uh, really but doing it, double duty? Yeah, and then on Monday, on Monday it'll be that tonight. Today will be the last. Uh, wow. But I wanted to yell about Texas basketball some more, and I could really do that in the afternoons. Yeah, yeah, get it off your chest. That's right, get it off your chest. I like that. Uh, so we'll still have Patrick's big fat poll of the day, which yes. I know was a favorite in the the afternoon. So we'll get to that coming up in uh, the Thursday around 6.45. We'll get to B- uh, Patrick's big fat poll of the day. Uh, we also will go behind the burn on curtain. We'll do that next segment. Uh, Rod's rant of the day also. Uh, we'll do that coming up a little bit later on in the show. That will be somehow it will be combine nfl related uh we'll talk about the nfl rule changes uh the, some of them seem like they're i think good ideas and some of them are eh, interesting ideas uh, we'll talk about that we'll also get go behind we'll go uh, off the record coming up we got who said that also coming up a little bit later on the show so all of your favorites uh that you know and love uh we're going to continue to do on the broadcast all right before we get started with the uh, the hot takes on the top topics of the day uh let's give it to my man patrick for the headlines all right dear horn headlines today brought to you by top gun rentals uh, Suns outlasted the Rockets last night, 110 to 105. Jalen Green uh, puts up a good performance. He was a game time decision, still puts up 34 points in the game. Uh, Jabari Smith Jr. has 11 points and 16 rebounds, but Booker and Durant too much combined for 59 points in the game. Get the win over the Rockets, 110 to 105. Rockets did not shoot a good enough percentage to take out a hot shooting Suns right now. The Spurs returned home after the rodeo road trip. Uh, get a big win. They lost five in a row. They beat the Thunder, the number two team in the West right now, 132-118. to 118. Uh, SGA had a big game, uh, but Wimbenyama did not want to be denied. Uh, he was able to put up 28 points, 13 rebounds, seven assists, and five blocks, including a big one over a step-back jump shot from Chet Holmgren. Probably the first time Chet Holmgren has been blocked like that in uh, probably in his life. I would guess uh, Wimby, after the game, was asked to talk to the crowd uh, to tell him what he thought in returning to the game. Here's Wimby after the, sh- after the game. I missed it. I love it. I missed it. missed it. Enjoying the game. Hey, we're waiting back from the road trip. We're more than 16,000 people that I love. 
Wimmy needs to learn to not cuss so much, but gets a big <laughs> win uh, and is happy to return home to a very raucous crowd beating the Thunder 132 to 118. Texas men's basketball takes on Oklahoma State on Saturday. Uh, they are looking for back to back wins for first time in over a month. Did not have back to back losses or back to back wins in the month of February. Uh, big win would be over Oklahoma State. Need to win their last two home games for sure to try and solidify a run into the Big 12 tournament. Texas women's basketball finishes their season on Saturday versus BYU. 7 p.m. game against BYU. And it is a 10K for 10K. If Texas women's basketball gets 10,000 tickets sold and 10,000 fans up at the arena, Vic Schaefer, along with some other people, will be donating $10,000 to the Neighborhood Longhorn Foundation to support senior night there uh, for the Texas women's basketball team. Has been doing a great job. uh, Had a disappointing loss on Wednesday, but a great team so far this season. Uh, and Texas basketball, or Texas baseball heads off to the Astros Foundation College Classic at Minute Maid Park this weekend. They will take on number three LSU tonight, Texas State on Friday, on Saturday, and on Sunday, number nine Vanderbilt. A good matchup for the Texas Longhorns. Pre- predicted starters, LeBaron Johnson Jr., Charlie Hurley, and Cody Howard for that. That's your Horn Headlines. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Come enjoy food, beer, and the best deals of the year on all zero-turn mowers and steel lawn equipment in stock at both locations March 22nd and 23rd. Topgun.net. We'll shoot you straight. Thank you, Patrick, for the uh, the Horn Headlines there. Let's get into the performance of the players for representing Texas at the NFL Combine. Byron Murphy, first and foremost, we told you, and I think everybody was on board, that he was going to have a a great combine, that he was going to impress. He's a guy that played running back in high school, was a linebacker, and ended up growing into <laughs> a defensive tackle. Uh, weighed in just under 200, uh, 300 pounds, 297 pounds, was six foot, so probably a little shorter and probably a little lighter than people thought he would uh, would be, but really impressed athletically uh 33 inch vertical that was second among the tackles um that's around eight i think that's around 88th percentile of your d tackles uh four eight seven forty yard dash for a guy that's damn near 300 pounds man that is freakish i told you guys that's to me that those are the biggest freaks at the combine yeah they're not the little guys that are running four fours and four threes no no, no. it is the damn near 300 pound guys that are running four eights four nines that are running, you know, four sevens that are running hell. Even Devondre Sweat, which we'll get into, and his five two, it just looked good. It looked impressive because that was three hundred and sixty six pounds moving like that. And that that thirty three inch vertical jump from Byron Murphy too. That was a big like when you watch a big guy get up in the air like that, just all his drills, everything he did looked so fluid. And stuff that you just it's amazing to see a guy, yeah, who's just under three hundred, lost a few pounds for the combine. Uh, to show that he's got that. But, man, he looked good. And everybody, everybody walked away from that going, man, do we put him too low? He was mid-first uh, round, and we may have put him too low. That's actually what Matt Miller uh, tweeted out. He said, um, I have him at number 13 on my big board. I'm, I'm worried he, he's too low. Yeah. <laughs> After that performance, uh, that, that vertical you talked about, that was second among D tackles. The uh, 40-yard dash was top three among D tackles. That was third. Uh, his 10-yard split, which is seen to be more important uh, usually than the 44 defensive lineman, that was fourth among defensive linemen, and his broad jump was sixth. All around, if you go look at NFL.com's estimated athletic score, uh, they have him 84, which is first among D tackles. His athletic score is 86. I believe that was second. And his production score uh, was 79, which is second. Lance Zerline compares him to Ed Oliver. <laughs> he compares him to Ed Oliver, who uh, is the, the U of H D tackle, who's also uh, drafted really high in the first round and uh, plays for Buffalo right now. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah has a number 22 on his big board. I don't know how that – that was pre-combine. We'll know, that could change, obviously, with his performance. Remember, they still got the bench press today, so he still could show out there a little bit more uh, with the bench press because he, he claims, and the Texas strength and conditioning coach also – backs it up and that he is the strongest player or was the strongest player on the Texas football team that he had the <laughs> he had the the heaviest squat that yeah. uh, power clean you know bench press that he, so if you're the strongest player on that team I'm assuming that you can do some freakish things uh, on the bench press but there is no doubt he showed violent hands in the drills <laughs> violent hands man he this guy is violent and he's so agile his feet are so quick 
Um, his short, I mean, he, like I said, he, he really did, I think, increase his draft stock, which was hard to say because he had, he, everybody has him in the teens, but it is possible that man, he, he, he becomes potentially first defensive player off the board. That is not out of the question. No, I mean, Murphy. when you saw what he did in that, and, you know, it was one of those pieces where you saw – uh, all the analysts during the broadcast basically going, if you want to see how this drill is run to perfection, watch what Byron Murphy does. And just watch him run through in just with the fluidity of everything he was able to do, uh, being able to move. Uh, they talked about that move where he gets down on one knee to get out of double teams and how that's helped him to show his explosiveness. All those pieces that he showed at the combine that he's been working out where, you know, we do see some people not want to get, you know, show as much at the combine. Byron Murphy took that as an opportunity uh, to, you know, put a showcase of himself where all season, you know, he played with Tavondre Sweat, and that's a big yeah. personality and a big person <laughs> physically and, <laughs> and literally it's uh, a person that you put out there that, you know, he may be in that shadow a little bit. You know, he was projected to go before him, but at that same point, he goes, well, I'm going to show you an individual drills that I am the man. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, it's – it it was you're right when they watched him all you saw was how agile he was and how powerful he was yeah um as a player quick feet violent hands um is something you saw a lot of with uh Byron Murphy in those drills so and i think the comp a lot of people make the comp of Aaron Donald you getting that kind of comp you you yeah. yeah you're doing something right if, if people are giving you that kind of comp so Byron Murphy definitely increased his draft stock. As a matter of fact, we got some uh, sound because he did great in the interviews too. Yeah. Um, a lot of people said he won the media portion of the, um, of the, of the combine, if that, that's possible to do, um, that he was great when he made the rounds. He actually got a chance to talk to my boy Chris Sims and Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk, and I love this conversation that they had with Byron Murphy. I just wanted to play the audio. Here it is. Now, right. Chris has developed a stat. We have yet to Am get I? it recognized by the Elias Sports Bureau as an official stat, but it's called F*** up the play. The play up stat, right? So you guys get in the backfield so much, you, you make disrupt these plays, everything. you disrupt the play. Yeah. How many like, of, you didn't have a tackle for a loss you in have the game? game? Man, we had a lot. Yeah. <laughs> when did you know you were Johnny Freak of Nature? I've been knowing that ever since I was a child. I've always been just You've always had the rocked up. Rocked up. Eight I, years old, you yeah, were like, everyone was like, damn, he's got muscles. I, yeah, I came out swole. So like, <laughs> I've been like this. I've really been like this my whole life. If yeah. we were to look at film from one game, what's the game you'd want us to look at? Alabama. I was just disrupted the whole game from first to fourth. In the play up. Yeah. In the play up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. and I just feel like I was just, just causing havoc, just raising havoc the whole game. I love the way they put that. Yeah, it should because it, it, you, you don't always get credit for a splash play or a negative play as a defensive lineman. Sometimes you're just a disruptor. You can just go and blow up the play, which he does a lot of. You know, someone asked me, do I think that Byron Murphy is as good or better than Casey Hampton? Because this is the best D-tackle duo that Texas has had since Casey Hampton and Sean Rogers. And I played with Casey Hampton. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of I think there are some differences. I do think athletically, Byron Murphy is probably a better athlete overall than Casey Hampton. I think Casey Hampton's a better football player than Byron Murphy, but I'm not saying far and away a better football player. I have no idea what he's going to do at the NFL level. Um, but also a different era of football. I think that Casey Hampton was able to make more splash plays because he played in an era where football was played in a phone booth, especially in the Big 12, right? You had Nebraska. They were, they were, teams were running you know, triple options still back yeah. then. I mean, were, teams were playing power football back then, and so everything was closer to the line of scrimmage, closer to the D tackles where they could be disruptive and make a lot of splash plays. That's why he became the first defensive lineman to lead the team in tackles in two consecutive seasons. Yeah, he led us in tackles in 99 and 2000 from the D tackle position, guys. Now, that wasn't all, you know, just interior runs. There were some runs where this dude was freakishly chasing down, uh, you know, runners from behind and running sideline to sideline like a like a dancing bear. So there were those situations too. Yeah. Or there were situations where he just blew it all up. But he made more splash plays, and I think he was able to because of the the era that he played. Now football is spread out harder for those interior defensive linemen to make as many of those splash plays because they're not there. They're not the football is not played in that phone booth anymore. 
It is, and but I, but I think there is something to be said of the new era of football, what Byron Murphy does really well of his pass rush, which is why he's you know ranked ahead of Tavondre Sweat. That when he gets at the quarterback, that you know when you gave him that Aaron Donald comp, and when you say he could be that kind of guy, when you now put him on a team where if you have a good edge on either side, and now they have to pick who to double when you put Byron Murphy in those types of plays, I think that he could have that huge impact in the NFL being used slightly differently than they were using him at Texas because Texas just didn't have the edges last season to really extenuate where they never had to double on the edges. But if you put them on a team with a Bosa or a Watt or somebody like that where now they have to double on to the end and now they're trying to put tight ends, like imagine him with a Miles Garrett and where you say, well, you're having to double this guy every time and now we put a second guy on you that if you're not doubling him, he's going to bring in pressure and you're going to have to make decisions on who you want to get after you. I, I think Byron Murphy brings that type of explosiveness where he may not be necessarily making every single tackle and explosiveness. I agree with you, Casey Hampton, what he could do, but uh, I think that other part of being able to get after the quarterback in today's NFL is so big in that pass rush that if you could put him on the right team, he could be just extremely dominant. Yeah. That's what he's a better pass rusher than Casey Hampton. I agree with that. Casey Hampton's better run stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, than than he would be, and yeah, I think that's the, the what separates him, right? And I, like I said, it's a preference thing. It may end up being a preference thing because I don't know what Byron Murphy's going to be. And Casey Hampton was drafted in the first round, but he wasn't drafted that high. Nineteen. I see, not that high. Uh, <laughs> that's high. Nineteen. Um, so I, Byron Murphy's going to be drafted somewhere in the teens. Um, looks like right now he, he's not going to make it to 20-something. So if you're a Texans or a Cowboys fan and you thought, man, Byron Murphy would be great, uh, even though he visited with Texans and the Cowboys, that ain't happening. There's no way that dude ends up there because best pass rushing D-tackle in coming out, and he also is among a probably top five, if you look at him, graded out against the rush. Tavondre Sweat, who we, we'll talk about right now, he's, uh, he measured in at 366 pounds. I thought he would be lighter. I thought he would come in a little bit lighter. No shame in 366. He plays at 365. And 6'4", uh, four, six, four and 4'8", so damn near 6'5". 33.2-inch uh, uh, arms, 10.1-inch uh, hands, 81-inch uh, wingspan. Uh, he, I mean, the 40-yard the, the dash was probably one of his most impressive moments because he did look, Athletic running the five two seven, but among D tackles, it's three sixty six. Of course, it was. I mean, it was last among the rankings. And he, you know, all the other agility drills, he looked fluid. Um, and you have to just think about the three sixty six when you look at the drills and where he's ranked because the vertical was twenty six inch vertical that was nineteenth his broad jump eight two that was. 20th that was last among the D tackles 10 yard split was 17th you you have to take <laughs> you have to have perspective on all those numbers and look at the fact that man the man's doing all that at 300 pounds 366 pounds actually it, it here's the here's the list basically he's basically he was tied for the 11th heaviest player to enter the NFL combine since 1999 uh there only been five players who since 99 have been 350 pounds or more. Uh, he's, you know, he, the D tackles weighing 355 plus pounds at the combine since 2000. It's only been three of them. Um, and only two defensive players in the last 25 years uh, weighed in at uh, 360 pounds or more. So he is, He's in a rare class of girth and size and mass. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's part of his game. And he didn't shy away from that because I thought he would come in maybe 355, uh, maybe under 360. Not the case. And I thought that would because he wanted to test better. It's obvious that you brought it up too, Patrick, that Byron Murphy, he, he probably lost about five pounds. Yeah. Just to get a little bit lighter. Um, that was not the case for Tavondre Sweat. Came in a little bit heavier than his actual playing weight. Well, and I think that was, too, that was, you know, strategic that he wanted to come in and show that people thought that 365 may have been an exaggeration by Texas, that that was his playing weight, that he could do all those things at 365. So he comes in trying to aim at that same weight. And I think if he came in at 350, even though that's still huge, been runs and does all the same things at the same speed and the same vertical and all that, 15 pounds lighter. I don't know if it has the same impact as you saw what I did at the field. You can see what I can do. My film will speak for itself that I was 365 in all of those. I am this beast of a man that when you, you know, it, 
when you can stand in a room where everyone is a 300-pounder basically doing a drill and then you do the drill and it stands out because of how big you are standing next to a room full of 300-pounders, I think that was kind of what he looked at. And it, it, it was impactful. I mean, every time he stepped up, the broadcast has to take notice that Tavondre Sweat and this big man is going up there and doing drills that you know most people cannot do at 366, which is what he came in at. Yeah, no, it's it's like I said, it, you haven't seen players that big at the combine no. period because usually guys they they try to shrink yeah. down when they they want to get the best numbers. They're, 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 exactly, their performance weight is different than their playing weight. Um, so a different strategy by Tavondre Sweat. I don't. I, I think for the visual, it was impressive. I'm not sure if it pushed him into the first round. I, I don't know. I'm I, not I, sure if it did because the, the the knock is that he's going to be a two down player, not a three down player. That which, I, by the way, I disagree with. I'm just talking about the the scouting season, the silly season. Um, is that he could potentially get even bigger? That if he does get a little bit bigger, um, that would be a concern. Um, so. There, that's a concern. I'm not saying that it's true, but that's their the scouting world that's concerned. And if you look at Tavondre Sweat right now, he's considered a run stuffer, even though he's actually a pretty good pass rusher, um, one of the top five best interior pass rushers coming out. But he's considered a run stuffer, which makes him an early down player. And as we just pointed out with Byron Murphy, what's increasing his draft stock? His ability as a pass rusher. The fact that he can be a, yeah. a, pr- a, a pressure defender. And Tavondre Sweat, I think, can be that. But right now, that's the knock on him is that he may not be able to play three downs in the league. Yeah, um, and, and, I'll, I'll, and that's 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 like I said, that's a knock. That's not necessarily true. Yeah, and I mean, I think that there's the if you want to put him in the first round, you have to put him as a need draft. He's not going to be a best player available draft in the first round. Uh, but if you put him as a need, as and you know, use the Cowboys example, a team that gave up too many run yards last year. And somebody says, we need to shore up our D-line. We want to bring in the biggest body to shore up the run-stopping game. Then he may be a need in the late first round. Someone may trade back into the first round to get a, a guy that you go, look, he's not going to be every down. But that kind of thing for Tavondre is more where I think he'd be. I think you're also probably going to see a more early second round uh, just because the guaranteed yep. money at a guy that size. I think you'd feel a little bit better with a little less guaranteed money on him uh, just because you sit and say, well, I don't want to necessarily have the long-term and the fifth-year option on this guy if he's not an every-down guy in three or four years. So if we take him on the second, then we you know, we get to pick our fate a little bit more. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that there is a – it's not a best player available for him. Where Byron Murphy jumped into the best player available conversation with that yes. combine, Tavondre Sweat is much more in the, man, if you need to stop the run, here is your guy who is a run stopper. So a team, you know, I just use the Cowboys because we cover the most, but that that's a team that needs somebody, and especially when you had Mozzie Smith who lost weight last season. If you want to go the opposite route and Mike Zimmer wants a big body, that's a type of person that around 24 to 30 in that range, you could see him just if they say that's the best deep lineman who can stop the run. Yeah, no, no, no doubt the Cowboys need to stop the run. And in fact, we'll talk about that later on. They can't justify taking back-to-back interior D linemen in drafts. Uh, and second round, though, um, that's a sweet yeah, spot. It if is. he falls in the second round there for the Cowboys, that would be great. Um, and I think he'll be gone early second round. Like I said, I don't just I don't know if he increased his draft stack. I know Mel Kiper loves Tavondre Sweat. Said he might be his uh, top D tackle on the board. I heard him say that. Um, also, I heard Jim Nagy on didn't hear. I read the thread that he had. Uh, via Twitter, where he said Tavondre Sweat shouldn't drop out of the first round. But that was prior to the combine. I wonder how he feels now. But like I said, I, I, I liked what I saw. He ran a faster 40 time than Tom Brady. All right, Tom Brady ran a 5.28 at the combine. He ran a 5.27. There you go. You can brag you ran faster than the GOAT at 366 pounds. <laughs> I will admit, though, the uh, RG3 tweet where he said the um, the equivalent – if you take into account the, the, the weight and the size of Tavondre Sweat, uh, it's the equivalent of a – if he was 180 pounds of running a 4-2 with that kind of frame with yeah. you know, being 6'5 and being 366 pounds. So it was impressive. But like I said, I, I, I just wonder if he came in a little lighter, if he would have shown – um, a little bit of better, uh, like uh, with the drills, with the agility drills. I think he would have shown up a little bit better. But his film will speak for itself. I mean, he won the Outland Trophy because he was yeah, the best interior lineman in the country. And I think <laughs> there's part of it too. He wanted to walk into every meeting room as the biggest guy they're going to see that weekend. 
That's true. And he knew it's, you know, if I lose some weight, there's going to be some old linemen that are bigger than me. And there may be another D lineman who's bigger than me. No, no. I'm walking in there and they're not going to meet anyone with a bigger personality and a bigger body than Tavondre Sweat this weekend. And it's going to be on their mind come draft day. Uh, Before we uh, take a break here, I love this tweet. It's from a a Longhorn uh, fan and um, someone who covers the Longhorns, too. They did, and they're they're much smarter than me. Um, Essentially, they did force rankings. um, And obviously, mass times speed equals force. (laughs) So they did their own uh, force rankings with the interior D lineman, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, So we'll get into that because Tavondre Sweat, apparently in his, uh, his force rankings, was was ranked pretty high. And I wish this was a real thing, but it's not a real thing. He's kind of made it up, and he's really smart. Uh, but when he did his force rankings, he had Tavondre Sweat as the top player in, in the interior D-lineman uh, when you looked at mass times speed. And his, I think they measured in <laughs> Newtons or something like that. Uh, yeah, so he had Tavondre as the top force player. He had Byron Murphy third. And Braden Fisk, by the way, the uh, Florida State interior D-lineman, also made himself some money. We'll go through all the freaks of the – uh, the freak show, if you will, at the Combine. Uh, we'll talk about some of the best performances overall, but those are long ones. Jalen Ford, um, he, didn't cont- he didn't work out. Um, he didn't do all the drills. He worked out some. He did the broad jump. Uh, he did the, vert- uh, the vertical jump, I believe. He did the um, – he didn't I don't do think the 40. He didn't do a lot. He didn't do the drills either. I the, the I think theory, he got hurt. the theory was on the on the jump, he may have hurt himself. I didn't see anything where that was substantiated, but that's yeah. I believe that he may have tweaked something or walked away and just said, "You know what? I'm not gonna put up a bad forty if I'm not feeling right. I'll do that at the yeah. pro day." I got a broad jump for him, and I think that's it. Actually, did we get a vertical? I thought there was a vertical too. I think th- thirty-three and a half is that a that's the vertical? I think that's the vertical. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's got he got two jumps. He's got the broad jump and the vertical. And after that, I didn't have anything for him. So uh, the 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 theory is he tweaked something in one of the jumps. Yeah. He the was ne- he was not going to be a standout you know numbers guy. It would have been nice to see him go up there. We'll get his numbers at pro day. But I don't think yeah. he was going to be a standout athletic freak. He's a mental freak. I agree. His broad jump was pretty good though. He was top yeah. five in the broad jump, so that that was that was good for Jalen Ford. And I'm sure he interviewed well because Jalen Ford's a student of exactly. the team. I've, I've talked to him, and he's, he has great football knowledge and great football acumen. Okay, let's take a break. Uh, we'll come back. We'll go behind the burnt orange curtain, and we'll hear from Sark. Uh, Sark, in, uh, he was talking to Keyshawn Johnson on that uh, the new podcast that Keyshawn Johnson has. We'll get into that. Uh, we'll talk some uh, Texas football on the other side. Uh, this is the broadcast with me, Rod Babers, and my man Patrick Davis right here on the horn. Rod Babers and Patrick Davis, morning 6 to 10 on the horn. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, time to go behind the burnt orange curtain and talk some uh, Texas football. Sark went on the, I believe you said it was the All Facts, No Breaks podcast from Keyshawn Johnson. And uh, that's a couple of pieces of audio that I want to get into and play. Uh, before we do that, though, I also want to talk about the uh, the Nuggets, the um, uh, the story, the tidbit that Sark revealed in the All Facts, No Breaks podcast about the recruitment of Isaiah Bond. Uh, it was pretty interesting. He talked about that <laughs> that he basically started recruiting Isaiah Bond right when Nick Saban announced the, the retirement. Uh, he said the timing is pretty incredible that in the midst of all that, Coach Saban decides to retire. That opens up a 30-day window for all those kids in Alabama to potentially enter the portal. Um, and he said that, you know, basically he had already had a bond and a pre-existing relationship from recruiting Isaiah Bond, and obviously they, Texas lost out on their recruitment. He went to Alabama. But Texas beating Alabama in Tuscaloosa and essentially Isaiah Bond getting the chance to watch Texas's offense <laughs> against Alabama and watch A.D. Mitchell and watch Xavier Worthy make all these great plays against Alabama, that influenced him <laughs> to want to play for Sark 
um, on top of the pre-existing relationship they had in recruiting, um, but he saw the offense for itself. And that offense actually, and you know what, there is a great piece of audio that, you know what, I'll ask my man Patrick to pull it up here on the fly, of JT Sanders talking to, I believe, Chris Sims and Mike Florio, if I'm not mistaken. And if he's talking about Sark's offense. Yeah. Do you have this? Yeah. Um, Patrick? Okay. Can you can – you, thank you, Patrick. You're the man. That's why Patrick is the real MVP. Um, he actually is – it's kind of what I think influenced Isaiah Bond to want to come play, you know, for Sark uh, once he hit the transfer portal. Remember how quickly it happened? I mean, it didn't take any time at all. Isaiah Bond hit the transfer portal, went to Texas, and boom, yeah. it was done. Um, it's because I think he saw that offense and thought to himself, man, I want to play in that offense. And Sark's offense is aesthetically pleasing, and it does help recruit high-level skilled talent because it looks like an offense that's fun to play in, especially for the skilled talent. Here's J.T. Sanders talking about that with Chris Sims and Mike Florio, your pro football talk. Five-star recruit, recruit excuse me, got yeah. offers from Texas, Alabama, Florida, Florida State, Georgia, LSU, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Ohio State, and Texas A&M. How man. do you pick Texas when you got all these great schools that mm-hmm. want you? So Texas just really showed me that they wanted me. They was really, like, after the recruiting process, they really still recruiting me the most, if you get what I'm saying. Like, it was despite I, I getting offers from Bama and stuff, they still, Herman was still pushing on me hard, and I kind of took that to heart, and, it, and that kind of resolved with me. And right. it just felt like home, uh, better for my family, only three hours away from my hometown, then Texas. So I know my family's going to better make it to all the home games. So it was just really a business decision. Yeah, business. I always want, I want to joke when they say that thing. I'm going to be like, you mean the bag of cash was bigger? The, you know, oh, see, right. My freshman year, we didn't, NIL wasn't even a thing. So. I know. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So you got to see that whole change. Yep. Actually, since we're there, take us through that. Like, what was it like at college? Your, your first year, you're probably yeah. like, damn, I, I yeah. don't have enough money to eat a third meal. Yeah. It right? Was, yeah, it was kind of hard just living Going out there. Going to Jester dorm, yeah, exactly. Right? Jester, yes. Uh, Cypress under the sand jag. It was kind of, it was kind of hard. You know All what right. I'm saying? Yeah. So then, what happened when it came nil? Tell tell us how life changed a little bit. Uh, it actually changed a lot. I, I got to be able to help my family out more financially, also myself as well. And it's just, uh, I'm just thankful for being able to have the opportunity to to help my family out. You yeah, know what I'm saying? I hear you. You played receiver and defensive end in high school. Yep. How did you settle on tight end? So. Uh, Herman wanted me to play both sides. He crewed me as an athlete. But when Sark got the job, I, I kind of knew I was too big to play receiver. Yeah. I didn't really want to play defense, especially Sark coming off that uh, national championship by Bama watching that game. I definitely wanted to be a part of that offense. So I kind of knew I was already going to be in that tight end position. Right. There you go. Just watching that offense. I mean, it, that it, the offense, like I said, even Longhorn fans, I've said this before. They didn't. Longhorn fans didn't like Greg Davis's offense. They complained about it every year. <laughs> One national title, set records. Longhorn fans did not like that there, offense. There was they, a they there were, was a fire. GregDavis.com, right? They flew yeah. a, they flew a banner over the stadium that said "Fire <laughs> Greg Davis." That was yes. so. The level of not liking it is not. They weren't a fan of it. They hired planes. Planes were involved yeah. in the hatred of this. Yeah, and then, then I remember people complaining about Makovic's offense yeah. and, and, and the way Makovic called plays. I mean, you could argue Longhorn fans haven't really liked an offense uh, since, you know, Daryl K. Royal was on campus, <laughs> right? They The Longhorn fans like Sark's offense. It's aesthetically pleasing to them. It's a fun offense, right? It's exciting. Sark even talks about how – you know, it influences his play calling to get the keep the crowd in into it, to get the crowd hyped, to get the crowd on their feet. We know that that honestly, sometimes that brings out Coach Steven instead of Sark. He's influenced by that because he he wants an offense that actually is, uh, you know, a, 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 an offense that is exciting to watch. Yeah, that matters to him because I think it helps him recruit players like a JT Sanders and like an Isaiah Bond, they see themselves playing this offense and it brings them joy, but they also know they're going to get paid because it's a highly productive offense for the skill talent. Uh, okay, let's get to this Sark sound before we run out of time. The first piece of audio is Sark talking about why he chose to stay in Austin when the Alabama job came open, um, if that even was a reality or a real possibility. Here is Steve Sarkeesian. But different than even being, um, you know, I think that the speculation in the outside world was probably just that. Uh, we, were, we were in the process of, of 
developing and, and getting my new contract here done. And I think we're just on the cusp of doing some really special things here at the university of Texas. And so, um, you know, fortunate, but, but no, that, that was not, that was not really a reality. Well, you know what though, in, in terms of that, I, I agree with you, Sark, in terms of the reality side. Now, Alabama's a great football supporting state. There's no question about it. But in terms of, I would never leave Texas in Austin to go coach at Alabama and follow Nick Saban. It just doesn't, you know, it's only a handful of programs. And I tell people and this, and I started telling people this after the Lane situation at Tennessee. People couldn't understand why Lane would leave Tennessee to go to USC. There's only about five college football programs in my as far as I'm concerned, USC, Texas, Notre Dame, and then maybe you Michigan you throw in there that you, and, and, and there's maybe a Florida state that I would never leave to go coach at another college because it it's it'd be a lateral move. Texas is so big in terms of just their athletic program, the academics, the city, just all of those things, there would be probably no amount of money that a program could, unless I'm going to the NFL, can sway me in college football to leave the University of Texas. It just, you know, it made no sense when the rumors were out there. I was like, nah, he ain't that. Nah, he would never do that. Well, you know, you know, for me, I, growing up in LA, I like a little city in my life. You yes. know, I, I like a little bit of concrete. I, I don't mind that the I-35 runs, uh, runs just east of campus right here. I love that there's plenty of places downtown to go eat. I love that we have a city of over a million people now in Austin, but I also do love this. I love that in Austin, you know, there's no pro sports, you know, we, you know, Texas, the university of Texas, Texas football, you know, we're really the pro football team in this town. And so we kind of have the best of both worlds. Um, And that's, that's nothing to take away of being in Tuscaloosa, which is, you know, a true college town that way, Uh, obviously much smaller in, in size, but different than even being in LA where there's so many other things going on in my time there. When I was at USC, there's just a really unique niche here at Austin that I think we're, we're really trying to capitalize on and, and trying to do something, like I said, pretty special. Yeah, no, he's right about that. I mean, Austin has turned into a pop culture Mecca and it's a true metropolitan city. One of the fastest growing cities in the, in the country. And it has been for the last decade. And you know, in terms of college, college towns are a a true. I mean, L.A. I know USC is awesome, but man, L.A. I don't know if you can even count that as a college city or a college town at all. I mean, it we saw its, we saw Chip Kelly just get out to be an offensive coordinator. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But I'm just saying, it's a it's a different experience, and I think. You know, some kids want that, right? L.A. and Hollywood lifestyle, that's, that's awesome. Going to, especially now in the NIL world, you know, I'm sure that is attractive to some student athletes. Um, but I, Austin, even I would say Washington, right, in Seattle, that's a major city, not necessarily a college town. That's different, too, because there's an NFL team there. Hell, there was so much going on in L.A., but there's an NFL team there. There's pro sports there. And, yes, there's pro sports now in Austin, too, with uh, with the MLS and with Austin FC, so I don't want to disrespect them. Um, but, you know, not, not one of the big three major sports. And it is not a city like L.A. Now, there's a lot going on in Austin, of course, because it's a, it's a pop culture mecca now. Um, but, yeah, there is a – I like how you said that. It's a unique niche. Yeah, um, where you don't have a pro, a major pro sport, and it still is a bubbling metropolis that's growing and thriving. Yeah, DKR yeah. is still the biggest attraction to where to watch something in Austin. Like there isn't a yeah. football stadium or something else where you go. Well, there's this where the, the NFL team plays, and this where the college, the college teams with the NFL. No, that like the college that building. That's where you're going to see it in the Moody Center, even though the Spurs are coming in. That's the new arena that everybody wants to go to. And they're in the biggest buildings, the best buildings in town. Yeah, no, you're right about that. It's a it's a true uh, social event. Yeah, every every Texas football game is the biggest social event in Austin. (laughs) Uh, Which is a, a major city until a South by Southwest comes to town or an ACL. Those are the biggest social occasions. You ain't even got to like football, but like, no, I'm going to the Texas football games and go hang out. Yeah, we we'll go down to the, the tailgate. We we'll go down and yeah, yeah. walk around. <laughs> 
Um, okay, we got some more sound. We'll get to that coming up a little bit later on because I want to make sure we make time for uh, my man Patrick's big fat poll of the day, which will be coming up next segment. Uh, we'll also get into Rod's rant of the day. We'll be doing that in the uh, 7 o'clock hour, the start of the 7 o'clock, and we'll talk about some of the, uh, the external factors, um, the macro variables that may be affecting the draft stock of these Longhorns who are hopefully uh, increasing that stock at the NFL Combine. We'll get into that uh before we do that let's take a break we'll come right back with big the big fat poll of the day from my man patrick davis this is the rodcast with myself rod babers and patrick davis right here on the horn maybe today is the day the show stays on the rails <laughs> yeah right the rodcast with rod babers and patrick davis Back here on the Rodcast on a Friday morning. It's a 512 Friday where we play local music that you can go check out live around town this weekend. This is Dave Share playing tonight at the Saxon Pub. If you want to go check out some Dave Share, very talented young man. Been on tour with Eric Johnson, having a good old time. But playing tonight at the Saxon Pub if you want to check out 512 music around the 512. Uh, back myself, Rob Babers, getting ready for the Big Fat Poll today. Remember, the text line is open for you guys. We haven't gotten to it yet, but we're getting to it right now. 512-447-3776 is the text line number. And let's get to the Big Fat Poll of the day. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the day on the horn. Big Fat Poll of the day today. If you know, if you listen to me in the afternoons, you know all you got to do is text in what your answer is. You get extra credit for if you add a little bit more flair into it and tell me, you know, an event or whatever you got in there. But the question today, since we have the combine happening right now, I know we've got some audio we'll play a little bit later in the show talking about some of these guys. But the question of the day is, who is the greatest freak athlete you've ever seen? So if you want to throw in live and you want to throw in a uh, extra credit of the live when you saw them play or when you got to see them happen or if you saw them on TV and you could see the greatest freak athlete doesn't have to be the best the best player like because we can throw in Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders, and those guys who were freak athletes, but they were also great players. You can throw in those freak athletes mm. that are just insanely fast guys. Maybe couldn't catch yeah. a football or a basketball player that could jump <laughs> out of the gym. Maybe didn't hit a lot of jump shots. But any of those, the greatest freak athlete that you just saw and went, man, that guy is electrifying. I don't care if he's great or not. He's electrifying. Let us know on the text line, 512-447-3776. I think you're going to get a lot of guys, or hopefully guys and gals. Yeah. <clears throat> I think you'll get both. Um, but I think you're going to get great players or great athletes who are also great at their sports too. Yeah. It's cuz it's 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 hard to remember it is. the at the freakish athletes who weren't really good at their sports. They don't necessarily, right, make an impression. Yeah. On you. And, and all I mean all I, all I can think about are the free I mean Bo, Bo Jackson was really good at his sport. He just got hurt uh, early on in his career. No, and I mean right? and also the question like where do you put a Victor Wembanyama? Where you go technically for a guy being 7-5 what he can do is freakish. <sighs> Yes, but is, no do you consider him a freak athlete because he's seven five, or do you say no? I'm I'm counted pound for pound here, and it's that kind of thing. So he doesn't get bonus credit. Like I say, no. uh, the ta- the craziest thing I ever saw. Remember, it shocked me. Uh, saw Margot Didek when I was doing stuff with the Silver Stars or shooting. So I can't remember what they were now. The WMA team in San Antonio, uh, and she was a seven two, like legit seven two woman. That's wild. And that's crazy. Yeah. It was it, just to walk into a room where you're like, everyone's kind of, you know, you're usually you see like a six, six woman. You're like, well, that's pretty tall for a, for, for a woman and seven, two. You're like, that's tall for anybody in life. And to just be over, and it's a nice lady. And, it, it, you know, talk to her for a little bit, but yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> that was that's amazing. Yeah. Those times. Seven, things. two woman. Yeah. I've never heard of that before. That's, that's wild. Yeah. Man. And one of those things where, you know, you lie up on those sometimes where you'll see the guy who's like, I'm 7'3", and you're like, you're 6'11", man. You're trying to, like, you're trying to get in the NBA. Two seven. Well, some guys in the NBA, don't they? They no, actually Durant, lie down about their height. Durant yeah, they, is one of those guys. Garnett was yeah. because they don't want to be centers. 
Because you're a sinner. If you're yeah, seven you're two, you're se- you're a sinner. So they're like, I'm six eleven. If the six is there, I can play small <laughs> forward. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. That's all those weird things. No, I'm with you. It's um, the frame counts. Yeah. If your freakish frame is a part of your athleticism, it is. That's part of it. It ain't just all your skill and your skill set and your athletic traits. The frame is part of it. Sorry. So yeah. I, I'm with you on that. That's Wimby. He's doing stuff on the court I've, I've never seen before, and I don't think we will ever see it. It's unprecedented because we haven't seen it in that frame before. So, yeah, that counts. I mean, I, yeah. I think the most – I'm thinking the most freakish athlete I've seen in person, and I've seen a lot of good ones. I mean – Randy Moss, I've seen Randy Moss yeah. in person. Randy Moss was unbelievable. One when he was, you know, focused and when he was actually, you know, committed to something, um, and when he thought he was getting the football. I mean, watching him in his prime, that was that was freakish. Um, trying to think of the guys at Texas that were most freakish that I played with. All right, we got a couple on here. We got Ramon Taylor. He's a guy they put in there. Uh, Nadamikin Sue, we got on the text line. It said that boy named Sue. Said Bo knows all but Diddley. Russell Westbrook, WAPI parts guy, says Brian Arakpo and Sergio Kendall. It's two athletic freaks. They, uh, yeah, Arakpo looked the part too, man. Arakpo, yeah. he looked like a superhero, like a Marvel character. <laughs> he did. He did. His shirt off. Yeah. Uh, those are good. Those are really good. I mean, I didn't see Earl in person, man, but Earl yeah. Campbell. To be that that size, the highlights. that combination of that speed and power, yeah, man. That that I mean, that's the reason he's a Hall of Famer, uh, and he won the Heisman. Exactly. He no more, no one overall pick. So that's not surprising. But yeah, man, this is the, that's what the combine's about, right? The combine is. I thought I was an athletic freak, and then I went to this freak show, <laughs> and then I realized, I there. If you if you watch X Men, there are yeah. levels to to being an X Men mutant. Um, there's like beta mutants, and then there's like an alpha mutant, and then there's like the omega mutants. They're like four different levels. I'm getting way too nerdy for you guys. Uh, <laughs> but the point, I think the highest level is omega mutants. Like those are the mutants with the 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 most powerful skills or whatever. Um, they have the best superpowers. And that that's what I learned about there are omega mutants out there. There are superhumans out there. Because I thought I was going to go to the combine yeah. and impress, and I thought I did. I mean, I'll give you my numbers later on. They were they were decent numbers. They were pretty good. But there are some, like I said, I think they're superhumans. I think there are some, some humans out there that are just built differently than you and I. Yeah. And I, I saw them up close and personal at, at the combine, um, and they were all around me. And that's what the combine's about. It's, just, it's, a, it's a freak show. It is a, <laughs> it's a summit of superhumans. It is. All right, what about we we got a couple of VYs in here? (laughs) VY, I mean, VY was especially that stride. When you saw him run, he he ran quicker. Like, he was faster without looking like he was fast than pretty much anybody you ever see. Took about seven yards per stride. Yeah. It was like, it was weird. It was crazy. And still be able to juke you. And, it's like, and I never saw VY get hit cleanly. You ever seen anybody hit VY cleanly? He's a big target, but you've never seen anybody get a clean hit on him. He always was able to get skinny. And get small, even with that size. Skilled runner, man. Skilled runner. Uh, all right. Now, we'll continue the free conversation on the side because I want to talk about the 40-yard dash. Yes. We'll get into that on the other side uh, and Rod's rant of the day. We'll also talk about – we'll review the combine and look forward to the other <clears throat> combine participants coming up uh, today and the rest of the weekend. We'll come back. Uh, we'll get into all of that and more right here on the Rodcast uh, with myself, Rod Babers, and my man Patrick Davis right here on The Horn. They're about 